Hello, friends. Sorry that we missed you last week, but we're back. All your three regular co-hosts for the Future Forms to Creators, show about the creator economy. And today we're going to do like one of our article book clubs. It's an article titled Creativity Feedback Loops and Their Impact on Mental Health which is a very timely topic to talk about burnout. It's definitely something that creators are experiencing at the moment. But before we get into the discussion around that, let's do our Have You Heard, where we update you on the news and happenings around the creator economy. Do you want to kick us off, Haley? Oh, gosh, I was about to like raise my hand and volunteer, but you just volunteered me. So I guess I can go. (laughs) I just knew it. You volunteered (laughs) on your mind and I I felt it. (laughs) Yes. We just released, uh, and actually, if you've been a ConvertKit fan for a while, Charlie, what was the year where we released V1 of this? We released a report on the state of the blogging industry in 2017. It was the very first project that I ever worked on for ConvertKit. Yep. Yeah. So I feel kind of like I'm stealing the thunder away from Charlie because this has been a project uh, of hers that's been her consuming a lot of her time over the last several months. But we just released a report. It is State of the Creator Economy 2022. You can see the link here. We'll include it in the show notes as well. But this is a holistic report on the creator economy, things that are happening within the creator economy, specific kind of data and statistics centered around everything from creator types, creator status, gender distribution, age distribution, how much money creators are making, how they're making their money, the content at which drives the most revenue. There are so many really, really interesting pieces of data that you can take away from this specific report. And so I would really encourage you to go check the link out because we put a lot of time, Charlie put a lot of time and effort into this. Well, not just me. I will say that several others, yes. Several (laughs) others on the team, but a lot of time and energy into uh, making this a reality. And it is with a, a lot of our content, the goal of it here is to serve the creator economy. So yeah. We're actually, wait, before, I just want to give a teaser for next week's episode is we're actually going to dive deeper into this report Oh, and talk about the data and the interesting things. So I don't know, just a little preview. We usually do that at the end, but I'm I'm ruining it for ourselves. Yes. Miguel, go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So today, uh, mine is, for some reason, about Twitter, even though I'm famously not on Twitter that much, <laughs> but... It seems to be in the news a lot. It's not a have you heard without a note about Twitter. <laughs> well, have you heard about Twitter? It's this really cool website where people get together and talk about stuff. No, it's more specific than that. So you may or may not have heard that they're doing this. Uh, they have this thing. You have Obviously, you have followers. Well, they have this designation for super followers. Mm-hmm. They have this thing right now that uh, for super follower only spaces. So they're trying to like build their creator monetization options. So as a creator, you can kind of have like a close group of friends. And this is something that everybody's, I feel like kind of trending on. Everybody has their own version of this where they're trying to do this or talking about doing something where like you have specific content for people who pay, you know, like a Patreon has, Mm. you know, Patreon only perks and things like that for people who actually pay to support the creator. Well, the super followers thing is... You'll be still be able, everybody will still be able to see a broadcast when shared with something that's for super followers, but you'll need to sign on as one of these super followers to get access to that. So creators can offer like an extra layer of conversation for their biggest supporters beyond just normal tweets, engaging with them through live audio and other things. So essentially 
yeah, Patreon built into Twitter, isn't it? Yeah, unless Elon Musk comes in and says, no, nah, you know, I don't want it. Yeah, yeah. And it just ruins it for everybody. But... Who knows what the heck's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Twitter's doing a lot of stuff recently and not all of it good, but this one is an interesting one. (laughs) (laughs) My have you heard this week is kind of a little sad and that is that the co-host of one of my all-time favorite podcasts, Reply All, which is like this show over the internet. It's been one I've listened to for many years. They did hit some like challenges recently when, um, I don't know, there was just some stuff and some previous hosts involved in some things that weren't great. So they like rode that that storm really well and I think made really good decisions as part of that. But unfortunately, now the two hosts are leaving Gimlet, the podcast network. So yeah, I'm pretty sad about that. And it's just interesting to see this happening, right? Gimlet was this podcast network that got bought by Spotify. Uh-huh. And now it feels like a lot of the great hosts and shows and things are like, just sort of dying down a little bit. And it just makes me wonder, like, what kind of environment is Spotify fostering for creation like this? And can independent podcasting happen as part of a big company like that? I don't know. Just interesting to note and wondered if you'd heard about it. (laughs) Yes, Spotify has spent, they spent a ton of money trying to put themselves at the forefront of of podcasting. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they spent millions on Joe Rogan's podcast, famously, and it's just interesting. You know, it, it happens a lot of the time. What are they just bought? Um, father. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Way to cut in with a half finished thought, Haley. <laughs> no, no, no. Alex. Her name is Alex something. I'm totally blanking on it. But it was like the largest acquisition of a podcast ever. Daddy podcast. Is that right? Oh, my. Call your daddy. Okay. <laughs> call me daddy. Call your daddy. It's one this of is those. the worst interruption of all time. <laughs> Dude, I'm sorry. (laughs) You interrupted me to have a brain fart, and that is amazing. Uh, (laughs) Shelby, this is our cue to move on from the Have You Heard section. Kill me now. Okay, Call Her Daddy podcast (laughs) by Alex Cooper. Father. Spotify bought it. I could not remember because they call her whatever. It doesn't matter. Just ignore okay, me. Okay, okay, okay. Ignore me, please. <laughs> that's your new segment we never promised you. Hard-hitting reporting here. But that's our Have You Heard. It's called Have You Heard. And apparently Haley hasn't even heard her own thing. So <laughs> No, I have. I just always, they call her Father Cooper. That's why I was getting like, in my mind, I was like, what is this? It's, it was a big deal. It was like, it was a really big deal. I believe you. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. The point I wanted to make real quick was just like companies come in and they <laughs> make these big acquisitions and that usually ends up for one reason or another, like breaking up everything and people end up leaving. Like that acquisition in of itself kind of like changes the mood or the feeling of the mm. work that people do. And then people kind of jump ship or, you know what I mean? Like if somebody were to come and just buy out our company, like let's say, like MailChimp buys us out, I feel like you probably see a mass exodus, right? Because like oh, yeah. the soul of the company, I feel like would just be killed. Yeah, that's interesting thought. The soul of the company can't be bought, right? Like yeah. you can buy the operations, you can buy the brand name and the URL and the intellectual properties, but there's something about the soul of... Essentially, Gimlet was started as a creator-run business, right? It was creators yeah. making podcasts and wanting to turn it into a like a media company. 
Yeah, I like that. Way to bring it back and save that segment, Miguel. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Something had to be done. For those of you who weren't on the live setting, my dog is getting currently getting spayed right now. So I had to duck out because the vet was calling. And so I panicked. So when I came back on. You felt you had to say something? <laughs> I did. I felt I was a little not fully into the, I, I was catching up. And then I felt like, oh, I've got something relevant to add. And apparently I just bombed, failed on that. <laughs> so you know what? Apologies for the interruption, Miguel. <laughs> And it's also, fine. everyone who joined live got to watch me and Haley struggle with to suppress the giggles <laughs> while Miguel was making that great point. So that's why you should join us live for these streams. Anyway, moving now let's move on, on to our main topic. So this article, Creativity Feedback Loops, you can find it at convertkit.com slash creativity feedback loops because it's actually one that was published on Tradecuff, the blog that um, our team manages. But it's about this idea that as you're getting a constant stream of feedback from your audience, right? We've talked about the hamster wheel, right? Where you're making content week after week. You've got to just keep publishing, keep putting it out there. But as a result of putting stuff out there, you also get feedback, right? Which is not always a great thing. Sometimes there is this pressure to like meet the expectations that your audience has of you, whether that is publishing on a certain schedule or what that content contains. And um, it's really easy as a creator to overextend yourself as part of this. And so that's essentially what the article is about. And we're going to talk about it and share our thoughts on it. I don't know, Miguel, if you want to kick us off, is there any anything that stood out to you as part of this article? What main takeaway you had? Well, the, the first place that my mind went when talking about feedback is a lot of us are doing this work online. And when you're mm. receiving online feedback, it is famously ruthless, right? Yeah. Which I really appreciate actually in some sense because in person, people will give you like the nice spin of something that you do because you don't want to be rude to someone's face. But for better or for worse on the internet, feedback is very honest, almost like too honest sometimes. But <laughs> as someone who's trying to improve, if I'm putting something out there and someone does not feel any which way about telling me exactly how they feel about something that I did. And it is not something that is valuable to them, clearly because they either said it was shit or something else less nice, then that hurts my feelings. But at least yeah. that's honest and it's something I can do. I can do something about that kind of feedback. Whereas like if I put something out there that's kind of okay and everybody's just like, yeah, this is so nice. It's a, it's a great job, blah, 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 blah. Like that doesn't give me anywhere to go. It just kind of gives me a false sense of, okay, I did it right. So nothing to iterate on here, I guess. Mm. So what I'm saying is, you know, they say never read your mentions and stuff like that. <laughs> but at some point you do kind of have to get some feedback on the work that you do. And hopefully you can pull out some constructive comments out of there to help you get better at what you're putting out there. Something I thought that was really interesting, I actually read this while I was looking for my Have You Heard on a different article was how creators, I'm going to just like read this quote, it's very small, but it says creators also value and respect and kindness in their audiences. Mm -hmm. Data showed that Gen Z creators in particular don't putting it very bluntly here, to deal with bullshit or toxicity from their viewers. 51% of creators between the ages of 18 and 24 told MarketCast that respect and kindness is critical. And then that figure actually drops to older creators where only 31% of folks between the ages of 35 and 54 said that respect is kindness or respect and kindness is vital. They go on to say later on in the article that Gen Z creators actually choose the platform that they're 
using to make ensure that, right, like they're going to choose the platform that encourages respect and kindness. And I thought that was really interesting. Me and I think the three of us all being considered millennials, um, how our general age group is more likely to tolerate, I guess. Yeah. Is that the right way to say it? And I was like, high five to the Gen Zers. Yeah. That's interesting. And I wonder if we will see a shift in, I don't know, if the Gen Z could make the internet a kinder place. Wouldn't that be incredible? That would be such would a legacy <laughs> for their generation. <laughs> Our generation made it this toxic cesspool and Gen Z can come <laughs> through and save it. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. But it is negative feedback. You're right, Miguel. I think if you're in the right headspace, it can be the thing that you can use to use as critique and improve. But since the work we do as creators is so personal, sometimes it just, I don't know, one comment can hit you differently one week compared to another, right? And it could be the thing that like tips you over into burnout Mm. and into that frustration and like negative place, especially when, I mean, let's be honest, most negative comments online are not framed as constructive critique, (laughs) but as Mm -hmm. straight up insult. Charlie, you've had personal experience in this, right? When you kind of migrated your YouTube audience or you started your new series, right? And there your audience was expecting different type of content Mm. and you were kind of battling whether or not I start this as a new channel or I keep it on my Mm -hmm. own channel. How much of that was actually based on feedback from your audience. Yeah, that's a good point. My audience, I thought you were accusing my audience of being really negative for a second. No, no, no. (laughs) Then I saw where you were going. No, it wasn't really based on feedback from people per se, but it kind of was because it was based on the data, right? And that I was seeing this drop off Mm -hmm. in views of this content and in retention because it's not what people are expecting on my main channel. So that's feedback in a way as well, right? That's... Mm -hmm unintentional feedback maybe is a way to give it that people gave me by like only watching less of the video than they did before. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was quite the challenge to, to think about. I want to zoom in on that burnout piece a little bit more. Yeah. So I, I listened to some podcasts that talk about mental health and things like that. And one thing that really stuck out to me in that is that I was really surprised to find out that burnout is something that once it happens, it can take a really long time to get over it. It's not like a, I'm burnt out, let me take a week vacation and then go right back into it. That's like the studies show that that is not, that doesn't do anything. Mm. You go right back to the same headspace a week, two week vacation, doesn't matter. It can take weeks, months, or even years to really recover from burnout, depending on how burnt out you are and what sort of situation is waiting for you Mm. after whatever break that you take. So you have to be really mindful about like setting yourself up for success when you take those breaks and when you come back and it's not being exactly where you left off and being really mindful about how you engage with your work when you have taken those breaks and how you are working when you are working to prevent it from creeping in. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that, that really resonated a lot with me because a lot of the times we don't really think of burnout as a problem until we're probably already in it. You know, it's already, we're already burnt out. We're like, damn, I'm already kind of fed up with this, but I'm all in, right? As a creator, you're all in on your business, your side hustle, whatever. You have this like escalation of commitment where I've already put so much resources and time into this. I'm not just going to like stop back away from it now. Mm. So you just double down and get further in there. And it can seem like a bottomless pit. I liked this part of the article. This is a point that really stood out to me is this idea of 
that creators don't have sick time and vacation time to fall back on in their business and that we have to purposefully create margin for ourselves Mm -hmm. for this stuff. And I had heard like that concept makes sense to me on some level, but I'm also like what you're saying, Miguel, is like, how do you even do that when your business relies on you to keep going? Mm -hmm. But something that sort of helped my mind shift on this was this quote that, ideas are your currency as a creator and it's investing Mm. in your business to give yourself the space to have those ideas Mm. and I just think about all of the times that I actually let myself just like chill the fuck out for a second (laughs) is when the ideas do start flowing in and that's like Mm -hmm. that I'm writing a book right now and that was an idea that came in a in a quiet moment same with my podcast series you know these are things that happened because I had the margin for them I didn't intentionally create that margin. I was just lucky enough that it emerged. And yeah, reading this quote made me think about how important it is to make that time. Because having rest when you're burnt out versus having rest as margin for yourself to give space to relax and have ideas are two very different like stages of being, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to get the ideas when you're burnt out. That's your recovery time mm-hmm. that you need. Yeah, that was something that really resonated with me as well. I mean, I think that there's comfort in, for me at least, with all of my like small little ideas or side hustle projects or whatever, like that have come and gone over the course of the years. There's always been this comfort level for me knowing that, like, well, I work full time for ConvertKit, you know, and not every content creator has, mm-hmm. not everyone is in that same situation. No, only 68 people in the world can say they work full time at ConvertKit, I believe. <laughs> okay, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. I think that there's also this idea, right? We talk about like side hustle, right? The side hustle culture. And that sometimes people want to turn their side hustle culture into or side hustle into a full-time gig. Like that's a lot of Mm -hmm. people's ultimate goals. Charlie, I know for you, that's not your ultimate goal, right? Your ultimate goal is to have your side hustle support your income and supplement your income. But you love working at ConvertKit, right? You love having a full-time job. And you didn't pay me to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I don't know for my personality sake, even just for my lifestyle or my, like my partner, right? Like, you know, I I don't know necessarily if I, if it would be the right fit for me to turn a side hustle into a full-time hustle. And I think that that's something that people need to realize, like that's okay too. Yeah. Because so many people are like the, the gold star North star metric is convert your side hustle into a full-time hustle. And I really like this. I don't want to call it a safety net because that's not what I had. That's not how I think of ConvertKit, but ConvertKit gives me the freedom to do all of these other things that I want to try and not be so consumed with paying for my health insurance. Mm -hmm. Right. Things like that. This just made me think of um, Shopify interviewed me for an article about this. They called it Mm -hmm. the everyday creator where it's like you're a creator and you have an audience, but it's on the side of your full-time job, which gives you the stability and the benefits and the space to take time off and mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. I don't know. That just came to mind. Mm. Another thing that this article talks about that was interesting to me is that this idea that balance means something different to everybody. And I know that some people look at the amount of time I spend, like honestly sitting right here at this desk and are like, what the heck are you doing with your life? That is way too much time get off the freaking computer and maybe they have a point. But for me, I am choosing to do this for the most part, like in a good week where I'm spending the time that I want to be spending here. And my balance does mean more work than other people's, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's okay. And if your balance means 
that you can only really fit in two hours a week on a side hustle compared to someone else who can spend five or 10 or 20. That's like your decision and any anything you choose is valid for you and you just can't compare yourself to others because otherwise it's a path to the burnout that we've been talking about. Yeah, I totally hear you on that. And it, it's interesting because obviously your life situation is very different. Like Haley's got three three girls. Mm-hmm. Charlie, you don't have kids. So right there, you, know. you probably have a little bit more time to spend on whatever it just is. Just a bit, I would guess. Yeah. <laughs> I would just imagine no carpooling for Charlie or anything like no. that. No, Charlie doesn't even own a car. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You don't have to take the car to get an oil change. You don't, you have a lot more bandwidth is my point. Mm-hmm. Probably. I'm just generalizing, of course. I don't actually know, but I would assume that somebody who, you know, if you have two working parents and you have children and you've got pets and things like that, like things that pull away from your time, your ability to spend time on those things before you are overextending yourself and approaching burnout quickly is a very different rate than other people. And so taking all of those things into account is probably a healthier way to compare yourself because it's no two people's situations are the same. Mm-hmm. Have either of you ever felt like you've overextended your way into burnout? Yes. I think with my personality, people assume certain things, right? But I am terrible at saying no. I'm terrible at it. I'm terrible at saying no to my family. I'm terrible at saying no to my partner. I'm terrible at saying I can say no to my kids. Okay. You know, actually I probably say no a little too much. What about the dogs? Not them though. No, actually. Yeah. My dogs are assholes sometimes. (laughs) It's funny because my mom, my mom is a pastry chef. Uh, She's been a pastry chef forever. And I have uh, learned through osmosis, if you will, how to, like, I'm pretty good. Like I can, I've made a, a fair amount of wedding cakes. Right. And the last time that I did it, I had, I only really do it for friends, but when friends will ask me and they'll be like, Oh, could you make this thing for me or do this thing for me? I don't even like think about anything else that I have going on. I usually just say yes. And then what happens is my husband says, what the hell is wrong with you? You don't have the time for this, you know? But I think that that is the biggest contributor to burnout for me is saying no to things. And that I think is something that I think is a lesson that everybody individually has to learn how to do, right? Because from a really, I can, I tend to be a really prideful person in some cases. So like, I want to believe that I can do everything and I can manage everything. And it's, the reality is, is that I can't, you know, I played in a volleyball tournament recently and it was rough. Uh, my pride wouldn't allow me to take it easy. And my body hurt so bad after uh, my husband said, and for those of you who don't know, I, I played college volleyball. And so I'm very prideful about it. And, you know, I don't like I give 110%. And my husband says, if you feel like this after you play volleyball, you probably shouldn't play anymore. And it was, it's this really hard realization, right? But I have to, there are times where you just have to be like, okay, I have to be able to say no. And so that's been a really hard lesson for me. And over the course of, I'd say the last two years, it's been something that has helped me alleviate burnout for sure. But I have a busy life, right? I have three kids. I have two dogs. My husband and I both work. I have side hustle projects that I do as well. I am responsible for carpool and burnout to me. It is easy for me to get to burnout level where it is a lot harder 
for some people that don't maybe have as many um, responsibilities. I don't even like saying that because it's not like a winner or loser, right? Or I have more responsibilities than you have. It's they're just different responsibilities, right? It's just more of mine are like self-imposed quite honestly. Like I put myself in burnout by taking on too many of my own ideas and like not saying no to myself (laughs) more often. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, saying no is like, the key contributor, Kegel. And look at that. Charlie is the parent. Do you see that cat right back there that's been meowing? Yes, you might have heard him. I don't know if it picked it up on the mic. No, I heard. I heard him. He was saying, Mom. He's yelling at a bird right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to leave the office, please. Something what you said just then, Haley, about um, how much you hurt after the volleyball made me think of this part from the article that talks about physical exhaustion versus intellectual burnout and how for creators that intellectual burnout can often be just as challenging because it's like your brain is what you rely on for your source of creativity, Mm -hmm. for your ideas to flow out, whether you're writing, taking photos, making things, whatever it is. The line they have here is that if you ever felt like smoke is coming out of your brain after a long day trying to get a piece right, you know what it feels like. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think the idea of monetizing creativity is fraught, Mm. to say the least, because creativity is something that happens when we're inspired or we suddenly feel compelled to kind of get something out into the world that's in our heads. Or, But then the moment that you tie your livelihood to it or you're putting a lot of pressure on your creative Mm. self on that part of your brain. And there's no way it's not entering your brain when you're sitting in for, I'll just take a plain, easy example. I'm sitting in front of a a canvas with my, with my palette and my, and my, and all of my paint and my brush. And I'm like, I have to make something because I have to sell something because I have to make rent Mm. or because I have uh, at that point, you're not really in a creative headspace. You're in a do. You're like in a survival headspace. Yeah. And I would argue that that doesn't make you very creative. Whatever comes out of that situation, likely not going to be your best work. So it's just, it's scary to me. I don't know how artists do it, <laughs> to be quite honest, how creative people who have decided I'm going to jump ship, quit my job and just go full time as a creator. I feel like before you do that, you really have to figure out how to set healthy boundaries to allow yourself the space for, for inspiration. I can't remember exactly where it was in the article or if I'm making this up or if it was in a different article that I read, but you have to have go into the creator world or right. If you're looking to monetize your creativity with the understanding and realization that being a creator is a business. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have all of those business inputs figured out, you know, then you're really going to struggle, I think. Right. And it is oftentimes for creators, they excel at the creative part. And then the business side of things doesn't come as natural. And so when all of those business things that don't come as natural are dialed in, then it allows you to really flourish in your creativity because your brain space isn't taken up so much by how you run an email list or how you do X, Y, and Z. And so my advice for creators is to like, maybe there's there's a moment where your brain, your I don't want to say your creative brain has to turn off, but you have to use the resources in your brain to serve the needs, like, you know, to say, okay, I need to understand the business thing. And I'm capable of doing that or you can outsource it, or, you know, there's lots of different ways to do that. But without understanding the business requirements that it takes to monetize your creativity, that's where I think that a lot of people get into trouble. 
And so that's my biggest piece of encouragement is to take the appropriate amount of time before you migrate to this being a full-time hustle to really make sure that you understand the business of monetization before you rely on it to be your full-time income. Well said. I love that Miguel just wrote something in the chat as well. Wanting to run, have your own business is not the same as as running your own business. Mm -hmm. Like the wanting and the actual doing are very different. Good point, chat, Miguel. Uh, (laughs) And then we also had this note from Alejandro as well saying, I hit burnout last year and had to restart my business. It's an internal struggle that needs considerable time to assess and work out. And it helps to have a life coach or someone there to lean on. Yeah. So it's kind of what you were talking about, right, Haley, of having someone there who can help you with work through the things that you're struggling to do yeah. on your own. It's really important. Yeah. We talked a lot about this, you know, when I left Happy Happy Houseplant too, right? You know, that was like a mm. really hard decision because I wasn't walking away from something that was struggling. I was walking away from something that quite honestly was thriving. But yeah. my level of burnout at the time with all of my responsibilities, it was too overwhelming. And it would have led me down a path of not being able to support my family the way that I needed to. And then also to support my job here at ConvertKit. And so I had to make a tough decision. And so sometimes, you know, these sorts of decisions, like Alejandro just stated, they're so necessary and they are so difficult. And having somebody to talk to specifically like a life coach, a team member, or someone that you trust is so unbelievably important. And I still struggle with that decision. But in this case, for me, it was was my husband, you know, kind of showing up and just saying, we need more of you in this moment. Mm. And, and that was my reality. And Sometimes it's not even because the reality that sometimes you have to walk away from something good is there too, to avoid burnout. Yep. And that there can be like an abundance of good things. You know, we started this section talking about negative feedback and maybe it's nice to end on that. Like it's actually a really good place to be in if there's too many good ideas or too many exciting things that you want to follow mm-hmm. and that you get to say no to some of them yeah. in order to give your all to the ones that you are going to continue with. Yeah. And I will say this though, as like kind of a final closing closing is that a friend and I are actually launching, starting a new uh, side hustle project. Um, she is she had an unfortunate health scare happen. And it's funny because we're a business idea came out of this uh, that we're starting to launch now. And it's very similar to the business model that we had with Happy Happy Houseplant. And so now I'm at a total different stage, right? Where right. my family is more settled and now I can take that experience and apply it to this new business idea. And they are, let me tell you, vastly different. Same business model, but vastly different and uh, not plants. And I'll, t- I'll, I'll, I'll share it at Yeah, we'll look forward to hearing more about that. Anyway, sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's really exciting because, you know, you're you're walking away from something good and it'll lead to another opportunity. So just make sure that you remember that is that your experience there can always contribute to something that you move forward with in the future. Love that. All right. Thanks for leaning with me in the discussion of this article today, folks, and for the people in the chat as well, sharing about burnout experience. Speaking of people in the chat, I believe our listener shout out of today is actually here listening on the call. Today, we want to talk about Melanie. Melanie has been showing up in the chat here on the Future Belongs to Creators for a while now. We love seeing her wave emojis that she does when she joins. Melanie's a video creator and is currently working on a documentary series on her YouTube channel, which is now on screen. It's youtube.com slash Melanie1190 for any of our audio listeners. This series highlights creators of all different backgrounds and disciplines. And recently, they've hosted their 11th episode 
It's called Creative Living, the documentary series on Melanie's YouTube channel, which has, by the way, 3.3 thousand subscribers. So well done, Melanie. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Go check out the videos uh, on the link that's on screen and we'll put it in the show notes as well. And if you've got your own like little thing that you're proud of that you want to shout out and tell us, then I don't have the banner to put the link on the screen because I've just realized I've deleted it. But you can check our show notes and send us a little note about something new you've launched or something you achieved recently because we love to shout out our listeners here on the show. Now, one more shout out before we end for our own conference. (laughs) (laughs) Drafting Commerce is happening again, people. It hasn't happened. This is the first one since COVID started. And we're just really excited for creators to get together in person again. It happens in Boise, Idaho, and it's this like specifically curated events for creators to get this like injection of energy and learning and inspiration for your business to take you through the next year. Tickets are on sale now, conference.convertkit.com. So go check it out. There's so many great speakers lined up. You can see them all on the page that, side note, I designed and built. Also... Boise is amazing. Yeah, Haley just wants to give a shout out to Boise. So <laughs> come check it out. I am the resident Boisean over here. So just know that Boise is a fantastic, really cool city that is a little bit hidden or under the radar. I guess that's not true. In the last couple of years, it has exploded. Um, but if you have not been, it's a great city to come check out as well. And as someone who lives in Europe and has lived in several different cool cities, I can actually attest to what Haley is saying is true. It's a pretty cool place. <laughs> Yeah, especially the downtown area, which is where the conference is held. So yeah, go check it out, buy a ticket, and we'll hope to see you there. Listen, we've all lived through a pandemic, and we all know that there is no substitute for being in person with other people to stimulate your mind and your, your creativity. And I absolutely, I've been to several, several conferences, and Of course, I would say this and you'd expect to say this because I work for ConvertKit, but I legitimately think that this conference that we throw is tip top the best. Like I just have the best time there because it's my people. I don't feel like a weirdo. Everyone's always really friendly. I hate going to a conference and just feeling like, oh, I feel odd. I don't want to talk to anyone. Everyone here is No, everyone's super nice, super approachable. Come and hang out. I promise you won't regret it. Yep. I can agree with that. Again, I'm also biased, but I've also been to a bunch of creator conferences and they do feel different than like a a business conference, right? Which I have been to as well. Mm -hmm. But there's something about craft and commerce that like um, that attitude of support and encouragement that you'll get from all of the other attendees is really fantastic. So please do do show up and join us there. All right, next week, we'll be talking about the State of the Creator Economy Report. We'll be diving in on all of those insights. Bring your own to the live chat if you want to share the main takeaways you had. And we will we'll see you next time. All right. Bye. See you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. 
So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com slash free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey. We'll be right back.